Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle moving along on a Wednesday afternoon, the midweek edition of the Sports Huddle, about 435 already. Let's talk some college football. We really haven't done that yet in the first half hour or show of the program. So let's get into some of that, and let's start with the resounding win for the James Madison Dukes Saturday in Charlottesville, knocking off the Virginia Cavaliers 36-35. The guy who was on the call for that game on the JMU Sports Network joins us now, Dave Riggard. Hello, Dave. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Doing fine, thanks. Appreciate the time this afternoon. So you were part of a couple of pretty impressive comebacks a year ago for James Madison. What triggered this one? Down, what, 11 in the fourth quarter, the rain delay, an emotional day, obviously in Charlottesville, a big deal playing them for the first time in 40 years. What was the key to this comeback by the Dukes? Well, I think the biggest key was probably that delay. Um, I'm not sure they win that game without the delay. They had played okay, but they were kind of scuffling a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, I think the defense was a little worn down. Um, I think the, uh, the the offense had only gone, I think, more than – I think they went three and out on four to five possessions, the uh, the JMU offense did. So the defense was out there a lot. They gave up 21 points in the third quarter to UVA, and they had kind of gotten a rhythm, some big chunk plays and some longer drives. It just kind of wore the defense down. They were without one of their linebackers in Jalen Walker, who, again, he's a Richmond kid. And they were a little, little banged up on the defensive line. So a little spin at the line at linebacker. And I think I think I do think that the delay really helped. It was about a 72-minute delay. They got in the locker room. I think they were able to scheme some things up offensively. They got the run game going after the delay. And the defense able to, to stop um, Virginia in their last two drives. So I, I don't know that they win that without the, the delay. I think they did some coaching in there, and it was almost like a second halftime for them to kind of make some adjustments. Hey, i got to stop you there for just a moment, Dave. I'm feeling a little guilty here. We had Jalen Walker on this program last week, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be the jinx guy here. What happened to him, and what do you know? It's a shoulder injury, and I know he uh, the, it's the diagnosis is better than expected. So it's not a season-ending injury. I don't even know if he'll miss time or not. Um, I know they're going to probably take it, make make sure they're pretty cautious with him. But it was a shoulder injury. He was down for a little while, and he was in a sling after the game. So that's not a great sign. But um, from everything that I've heard this week, that it's better than expected. So I, that's all I know at this point. I would be surprised if he goes this week. Um, but I don't. It won't be a season-ending injury for for sure. So he should be back here pretty soon. All right, we're hoping for the best for him, certainly. Yeah, let's go absolutely. back to Yeah, for sure, Dave, no doubt about that. Uh, let, let's go back to, to your perspective kind of on your defense, on JMU's defense. Um, totally took the run game away, right? I mean, UVA, 18 yards net rushing in that contest, and then you get basically an unknown quarterback who slings it around <laughs> for 377 yards, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, but that's the one thing. Last year in the in the regular season, JMU led the nation in rush defense, giving up about 80 yards per game. They've allowed 80 yards in their first two games combined, 62 to Bucknell, 18 to Virginia. So that's the one thing that, again, good defense has stopped the run. First and foremost, that's what they want to do, and they've done a great job of that the first two games. They did a great job last year. Brian Haynes is now in his second year as a defensive coordinator. And I, I, I give a lot of credit to Virginia on kind of scheming some things up they, they came out on some different things than what I think JMU was expecting. They got running backs on linebackers, two of their long passes. One was a 60, like a 63-yard touchdown. One was a 75-yarder. 
they got their running backs in space against linebackers, and that's a challenge for those guys. Even as athletic as Jalen Walker, Torres Jones, and those guys are, I think they schemed them up pretty good. It's hard for them to run with running backs like that. So I think UDA did a good job of getting them in some kind of tough situations to, to handle. And then there was, there was just a miscommunication in the back end. They've got, a, they've got some young corners, a sophomore and Chauncey Logan at corner. Um, some of the safeties, one of the safeties, Jacob Thomas, got hurt in the game. So it's kind of shoveling some guys in and out. And I think there was just a miscommunication on the back end on what Virginia was doing. So uh, we saw that one time last year against Georgia Southern. They threw for over 600 yards and put up a bunch of, of uh, points in that game last year. But that was about the only game. So hopefully they can get that cleaned up. But normally they make teams one-dimensional and, and are able to shut them down with a pass rush. Um, but the one thing, that, again, after the delay, they only gave up 36 a couple of first downs. And on that last drive where UVA could have went down and at least tried a field goal to win it, they got pressure on the quarterback. The defensive line um, kind of asserted themselves a little bit and got pressure on the QB so they didn't have a lot of time to throw the football. So they did make some adjustments. They were better the, the last 12 minutes of that game, no doubt, with their pass defense. Dave, what did you see offensively from the last two drives, the two game-winning drives? I mean, at least on paper, and I did not see the game on on Saturday. I've seen the highlights, but you can give us a better perspective than that. They look almost identical, right? Eight-play, 80-yard drives for both of them. You know, one was a little bit longer than the other. One ends in a rushing touchdown by Tyson Lawton, the other in a passing touchdown from uh, Jordan McLeod. But what did you see in those two drives from the Dukes' offense? The offensive line kind of finally asserted themselves, and the one thing that I was I was impressed with is they stuck with the game plan to still run the football. There were times when they had, they had a hard time running the football against that UVA defensive line, which is the strength of their football team. And the offensive line has all five starters back; those guys have stayed healthy. That's the that's the strength of their offense. There's no doubt. And finally, they were able to get the running game going. You mentioned Tyson Lott; he gave him kind of a shot in the arm with a couple of big runs. Um, when they came back from the delay, they were able to run the football in the first couple of plays, get some first downs, get near midfield. Uh, Jordan McLeod had a couple of big third-down conversions in both of those drives as well. I think he's starting to become a little more comfortable now that he's the guy. Um, they've kind of they've established that he's the quarterback now who came in in week one, and now he's the starter. And um, I, think, I think he feels a little bit more confident um, going forward. And He made a couple of big throws on third down. Um, to, to move the chains and, and keep things going. So I think the one thing was the offensive line gave Jordan McLeod a ton of time to throw the football, and they were able to run it more effectively in those last two drives than they had the entire game. They had 10 first downs the entire game, and, and then the last 12 minutes after the delay, they had eight first downs on those last two drives. So they were able to just run the football, protect the quarterback, and, and really kind of uh, assert their will with that offensive line those last two drives. Dave, we had so many people, in, and I'm sure you had even more, in the week and 10 days leading up to that game, just you know, so excited about this opportunity that hadn't come along in four decades for James Madison to play Virginia. It's circled on our calendar. I bought tickets forever ago. All, all of that, and I'm sure you've heard those refrains over and over again. Now that it's in the books and it's a JMU victory, What's the impact and everything that was going on in Charlottesville as well? I certainly don't want to, 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 to leave that out as well. But Absolutely. what's the what's the impact of this victory for JMU's, you know, already rising football program? Well, they may not play UVA for another 40 years because of the win, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but with Tony Elliott, again, he wants games like this. We I talked to him last week. I'm sure you guys have heard from him that, I mean, he wants these in-state games. He wants to play William and Mary in Richmond, you guys went there last year, and he wants to play these games. And now that JMU is FBS, 
it's good for both teams. And, and the one thing that I think, obviously for the fan base, it's it's a big deal. I mean, they've got bragging rights for a long time now. Um, it means a lot to so many people. But it really meant a lot to the, the really the in-state kids that didn't get recruited by, by UVA. Um, James Carpenter is a great example. He's a walk-on offensive lineman that now plays defensive line. He's one of the best players in the Sun Belt, bar none. He is fantastic. He was great in that game. He had four, four tackles, one-and-a-half tackles for loss. He had a bunch of quarterback hurries. Um, he's undersized, but he was a walk-on going to UVA games growing up. Didn't get a sniff. Um, Tyshawn White, I talked to him. He's a Richmond kid. He didn't get a sniff from UVA. Um, it's just there were so many guys on that roster that are Virginia kids that didn't get a look from, from Virginia. And, and again, now that they're in FBS, if they would have been FCS and got this win, it's a big deal. And obviously being down a level, it, it means a little bit that way. But now that they're FBS, they're recruiting a lot of the same kids that Virginia and Virginia Tech are recruiting. So I think it's a bigger deal now for them to beat them being an FBS school than it would be an FCS school because they're recruiting a lot of the same players. They're getting kids um, that are three-star, and they, they have a four-star commit for next year already out of, out of Pennsylvania, but they're, they're recruiting a lot of the same type of players that now other Power 5 schools and FBS schools are recruiting. So now they have that in their back pocket to be able to be like, hey, see, we went there, we won that game. And I, I think that's going to help a lot in recruiting moving forward than it would have even at the FCS level because you're really not recruiting the same type of kids. Yeah, you get a few here that, that might be getting some Power 5 offers, but now they're getting a lot more looks, a lot more kids that are getting some offers from the, the likes of UVA and Tech and Penn State and, and, and North Carolina schools around here. So I think that's, that's going to be the impact moving forward just in the recruiting battles with UVA and some others. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think, you know, emotionally, as you said, it would have been a big deal if they'd been an FCS, but it probably impacts the, the program, the details yeah, of the does. program. Yep. Yeah, even more. That's a, great, that's a great point on the recruiting trail and that sort of thing. Hey, Dave, who put this schedule together? I mean, this thing is unforgiving <laughs> right here for the Dukes. You go to Virginia. I know it's a short trip, but as we said, emotionally, it really moves the needle and everything that was involved with that. Now you go to go play, you know, a Troy team that's coming off a great year last season to start your Sunday. Belt Conference, then you're going to take another break outside of conference, but you're going to go all the way out to Logan, Utah to play Utah State. This is an unforgiving three weeks here, Dave. It is, and I think you can even add in the fifth week because South Alabama, they, they won 10 games a year ago. They're one of the favorites in the South this year, too, and then they come to Bridge Force Stadium in the in the, mm-hmm. in the fourth game after yep, these three games right. on the road. So yep. it's it's a this is a challenging stretch, and when the schedule came out, um, we looked at this schedule, and Coach Signetti's been saying this the entire summer, he said at the Sunbelt Media Days, that this three- to four-game stretch is really going to determine our season. This is going to be a brutal stretch that is going to be a, a major, major challenge. Now, the first piece is done. They got that. But he said yesterday at this press conference he does not want to be a repeat of Georgia Southern a year ago. And what he means by that is they had just come off of five straight wins. They were 5-0. and They got ranked in the top 25 a year ago. Everybody's just saying how good you guys are. And then they went and laid an egg, as I talked about. Georgia Southern threw for 600 yards against them and had 45 points, and then all of a sudden they're out of the top 25, not sniffing that anymore, and they lost three consecutive games. He does not want a repeat of that, and they're playing a much better football team. Heck, Troy might be better than Virginia, honestly, just because of where they're at in their mm-hmm. program. John, mm-hmm. John Summerall um, is a tremendous head coach. He's got a tremendously veteran football team that had the, the second-longest winning streak in the nation next to Georgia. They had won 12 straight before they lost to Kansas State last week, and they were, it was a 14-10 game with 20 seconds left in the first half. 
So this is these are the defending champions in the Sun Belt, really talented team, a veteran quarterback, a running back that's averaging 170 yards per game, um, a defense that was one of the best in the Sun Belt a year ago. So this is going to be a major challenge. And, again, coming off a loss, they're going to want to start Sunbelt play the right way. But I know Coach Signetti is getting on his guys this week because, again, if JMU would have been eligible, they would have played Troy for the Sunbelt Championship last year. And, again, a lot of the fans are being like, here's the, the pseudo Sunbelt Championship this year. But it, it's a whole different year. These are two different teams. But this will be a major challenge. They're a physical, really, really good football team. And, and again, the emotional side of this thing coming off of that Virginia game. Um, I know Coach, yeah, but coaching that he's really good at that, isn't isn't he, Dave, about making sure his guys compartmentalize week by week? No question. He, it's, he's all ball all the time, man. He just, he, he loves it. He, and, and he does get his players on the right track. Even if they were maybe a little off track yesterday, I know he was a little upset with practice yesterday. Um, he said Mickey Matthews, called him the former head coach the Duke and he goes hey tell your kids when we beat Virginia Tech back in 2010 we lost the next week Uh, so again as as emotional as fun as last week was they've got to put that in the rearview mirror and coach Signetti laughed and said he didn't have to tell me I already knew that (laughs) I, I have a pulse of what's going on and I've got a pretty good pulse of my football team so he knows he knows what's at stake and and as much as as fans want to make a big deal about the UVA game, and he was he was super excited. There were some pictures that that just show the joy on his face after the game. But he's on to the next game now, and he knows this could be a bigger challenge than what UVA was. Boy, and there's a name I haven't heard in a while, Mickey Matthews, the former <laughs> Chase Madison, <laughs> pulling out all the stops for this week, Dave. I like it down there. Absolutely. Hey, have a great trip down there. Congrats on the win. I know it had to be thrilling to call that game last week as well. Good luck against Troy. We'll look forward to catching up with you as the season unfolds. All right, Bob. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Will do. Thank you, Dave. Dave Rigert, voice of the James Madison Dukes, coming off of the 36-35 win at Virginia. And he's right. I kind of just grouped the three away games together at Troy and then at Utah State. Uh, But you could add that fourth one past that, South Alabama, because that's a really good team. Now, that's coming uh, to to Bridgeforth Stadium, but still, from a competitive standpoint, uh, that's another major challenge for the Dukes. So, let's see how they handle this. And I remember us talking about that last year, that uh, last year in the first year at FBS, it's a little different playing one FBS team as opposed to playing an entire schedule of FBS teams, and the Dukes handled that just fine a year ago. And now they're even more well-equipped to do that because they have more recruits and more players, both quantity and also quality recruits, who they have now recruited as FBS players to handle this kind of challenge. And it will be a challenge the next couple of weeks for JMU. Dave Rigard, voice of the Dukes, always fun catching up with him. we got to catch up a little bit here, so let's do it. We'll come back after the break. Sports Huddle, roll it along on a Wednesday afternoon. 106.1 ESPN.